Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught offside from just outside of New York City and from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? Um, is this okay now? <laughs> Hypothetically, we're streaming live on YouTube right now. Right. I, have, I have no clue if we are or aren't. Well, Steve L. says, let's go. Patrick Smith, take two and go. Royalty 95. <laughs> Round two, Patrick Crawford, fight. You are a monster. How am I a monster? I got so, I, I didn't even know what I got wrong. It just, in the middle of the start of the last podcast, all I could hear was you doubling up in my brain like I was going absolutely insane. Like all I could hear was you. It was, the, it was a nightmare scenario for everyone involved, mainly me. I have no idea what people have or have not heard. So they, I'm going to do all of this. They heard, they saw my face. JJ is a bad guy. Harley dude 07. This isn't my fault. I don't know what happened, but we're back now. And so what? Let's, let's just restart. It's a good point. None of that matters anymore. All right. None of that matters. You got to move on and we got to do the pod. To everybody who's joining live on YouTube right now, thank you for joining us. Please be an interactive participant in this. We love that. We want to talk to all of you. We want to take your comments and questions. This is, after all, a mailbag special. We've been compiling a lot of uh, different mail throughout the course of the week on email, on Twitter, on the Reddit page. Um, So we've been taking all that. Apologies in advance if something you submitted does not get through tonight. I know there was a ton that came through, which is awesome. We love that. That is so cool that all of you guys... Uh, responded the way that you did. And that's why we're able to do these mailbag specials because of everybody out there who wants to be a part of it and who asks great questions and and has great comments. So it's awesome. What's up? And I I should say uh, no channel has chimed in. JJ at the start of the fail live stream. I hope everything goes wrong. Like, yeah, why just say that? Just asking for it, man. Oh, because ultimately I am a nihilist and I want to see the world crash and burn. That's ultimately what I want. And uh, I've done it now through the medium of my own podcast. 
So here's uh, the problem now. Uh, we're at a, a, a minor small crossroads issue in the beginning of this podcast because everybody who was watching on the live stream has already heard what I'm about to say. But people are going to download this later as a podcast, and they deserve to hear it too. So I'm going to go right into the mail now, JJ. I'm going to repeat <laughs> everything that I said to the, the live stream people uh, about five minutes ago. Um, so we took all your mail. We're going to dive right into it now. The first one comes from Chris Dokopil. Uh, who asked who has been the most disappointing player in the Premier League season so far? Uh, for me, of all the questions we got, I thought this was actually the easiest one to answer. I'm curious what you make of that after I say it, but I went with Mason Mount of Chelsea just because I did not. At no point did I think his season was gonna, was going to go this way. He's now actually missed four straight games for Chelsea. He had never missed more than two in a row for them prior to this. Three goals and two assists this season, both career lows. I know there's still time for that to change, but it's not going to come close to his 11 and 10 from last season. And it's reached the point now where this player who was like the crown jewel of of Chelsea's youth system, who came up, who felt like an, an a total undroppable, just like had to play at all costs, no matter what. Now contract talks between him and the club have stalled. It's to the point where it almost feels like it's a certainty where he's going to be sold this summer. That that might be an overstatement, but that's a lot of the chatter right now is that it seems like he's rumored to go. Andreas Pereira of Fulham, his name I've already seen brought up as a possible replacement. Yeah. I just never I never thought it would happen. Remember, if you go back to our our season preview podcast, he was the guy. I, what, what was the one question we asked? Who's the player that needs to have a big season? He was my answer because I sort of thought that he was kind of at like this moment in his career where if he just kicked it up a little bit more, if his 11 goals, 10 assists, if he could get that to like 16 and 10, something like that, then who knows what that means for Chelsea and and also what it would mean for his career. If he continued at the trajectory he was going, then it looked like they had a superstar on their hands. And and unfortunately for him and for the club, it's gone the complete opposite direction. And I guess it's almost speaks a little bit to what I was saying, where for him to have, have fallen off a cliff in the way that he has, I guess it shouldn't be necessarily shocking that Chelsea's season has done the same. So that was my answer. Biggest disappointment so far. It's Mason Mount for me. Yeah, apart from my technical skills, uh, the biggest disappointment so far. And I don't want people to eat me for this because they're still going to have a good season. But like Anthony, huh? I looked at the stats. Like, guy has no assists. If if you go to FB Ref, which I know you adore, mm-hmm. and, you know, you look at the things that you kind of want from someone like him, a lot of the areas, Andrew, they're in the red. Assists, shot-creating actions. I mean, he's in the 56th percentile for passes attempted. Pass completion, the 60th percentile. Progressive passes, the 40th percentile. Um Successful take-ons only in the 39th percentile. This is this guy is supposed to be a wing wizard. Um, now progressive passes received, 74th percentile. Just just so much stuff is like there, not that good. Now I I I gassed him up. I said he was going to be brilliant. I thought he was going to be very, very good because of Ten Hag's knowledge of him and the way he'd fit him into the team. And that may yet come to pass. But so far, kind of disappointing, I must be honest. But it's there's plenty of options to go for. How about Lucas Paqueta at West Ham? Mm, okay. Two goals, two assists, all that money. Skimaka at West Ham. West Ham have a, a version of most disappointing uh, player, uh, most disappointing signing as well, all of their own. So I don't know. There's there's a lot to pick from there. But I, I think in a team that's doing so well with Anthony, not, He's just, he's not there yet for me. And, you know, there's the settling into the Premier League, blah, 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 but still kind of disappointed with him. Yeah. If you had told me also um, 
that we would be almost at the end of March. We'd be in the sweet 16 of March Madness, and Richarlison would still not have scored a goal for Tottenham in the league. I would say, ooh, well, that's not good. We no. s- spent a fair amount of money on him. But the only reason, though, that I ch- I still proclaim Mount over those is that sometimes I'll give a guy a little bit of a, not a full-on pass, especially when you pay a lot of money for somebody like Richarlison or like Anthony, but like he is acclimating with a new team. Maybe sometimes it takes a little bit of time for a guy to slot in and find what his role is going to be. But like Mount, like it's like supposed to be the focal point. Yeah. Has been. Uh, so I don't know. Like I, it's a little worrisome. The, the animals are going crazy for Calvin Phillips. Like that is a okay. That's one. a good one too. It's a, it, that's a big one. Um, Someone says that Anthony is a TikTok player. I, I get what you mean. Like, Anthony doing a spin against Southampton, like inside, just on the halfway line or wherever. Like that's, that's. Yeah. I saw there was a video going around the other day of him just doing one in training where he kind of just like is standing there and takes the ball and just sort of like spins in circles over and over again. Yeah. So I guess I see. What you, I, and I watched, I was like, oh, what a player. And then I was like, wait a minute, this is nothing. <laughs> He's not doing anything. And I think he gave the yeah. ball away immediately after. So that's... can I, can I raise one that I'm wondering what you and the animals will think of? Okay. If I, if I raise this, it might be controversial. We love when you raise things, Andrew. What about Van Dyke? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Um, especially considering last year, everything that was done by Liverpool. And that was his what? Like that was his first season back after the ACL. So you would have thought that would have been the slow season. But this has kind of been the de- decline season. And, and there's been such big moments. Like Bournemouth is fresh in the memory. Like he was so poor in that game. I'm not saying he was alone, but he looked particularly bad. Um, yeah, I'll take Van Dyke. Mm, okay. Um, all right. Well, there we go. We're off to a we're off to a nice restart here. Uh let's continue. You want to read the next one? Yeah, sure. Uh Enrique Velasquez. As a Bayern fan, I admit I'm a little biased. But why do you think some clubs like Bayern get criticized for buying talent within their league? But when other clubs do it, cough cough man city, it doesn't seem like a as big of a problem. Hmm. Is it just the fact that the Premier League itself has a deeper pool of good teams? It seems like the issue of top teams hoarding top players is a problem across all of the major leagues and not just Germany. Thanks, love the pod. P.S. Tell Andrew to visit New Mexico where he can get a burrito smothered with red or green chili sauce and cheese and eat it with a knife and fork. Oh, with a pitchfork even. Oh, New Mexico. By the way, I'm a huge Breaking Bad guy. I, I'm I'm so in love with their skies out there, Andrew. Hmm. The sky. Well, I get that, actually. I want to make fun of it, but I actually know what you mean. If you watch Breaking Bad and you see the different sunsets and sunrises, it seems like a fascinating place. It's kind of how I feel watching Yellowstone. Yeah, I'm you're Montana. obsessed with Yellowstone. I think it's it's, it's unbelievable. Um, let me I, I should that. say, too, the, the, the last question I said was was the easiest for me to answer. This was not this was not far behind for me. This is super easy. It's a problem when rich teams hoover up all the talent and then when they win the league forever. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the problem, at least. And by the way, people do focus on Man City. Maybe the English media don't. Yeah. Enough. Well, that was the other thing I was going to say is like, are we sure that City aren't criticized for buying Premier League talent? They absolutely do. I think someone wrote the line. It was grimly predictable that they'd hoover up Holland and they'd hoover up Grealish in the same, (laughs) you know. So, but the the point being, um, 
City get criticised, Bayern get criticised because they hoover up all that talent from below them, even from competing teams. I mean, how many times have they raided Dortmund, who should be their natural rival in the league? And the only difference with the Premier League is that Liverpool and hopefully Arsenal this year will have broken up a little bit of the City monopoly, whereas Bayern Munich have been gone pretty much unfettered for the last uh, almost a decade or so. Um, But that's, I mean, this is burying the lead on Bayern Munich tonight, isn't it, Andrew? Well, yeah, but but before we get to that part, it's like... I mean, you, you raise a good point there that like at least Man City have won four of the last five titles, but at least they have been with a couple exceptions, maybe, but it's been pretty competitive. And it looks like this year, I mean, if they may very well like not win the title this season. So like there is there is competition in this league, whereas Bayern have won 10 straight. But here's the thing, though. Like 10 straight, obviously, that says almost everything you need to know. But JJ, like the the margin by which they win these titles is why I think people get annoyed and roll their eyes when they yeah. see Bayern continue to bring in high profile talent, especially talent within the Bundesliga. I'm going to just go through real quick. These are the margin of, of title, the margin of difference between them and the second place team in their titles. Eight points, 13, 13, two. So you do have one close one there. Then 21 15, 10, 10, 19, and 25 points. Like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> it's yeah. just, and I know they're in the midst of a title race right now. They're back one point. But, like, it, these are this is non-competition. Entirely non-competitive seasons in the Bundesliga. So when they sign a player from within the league, like, it increases a gap that already feels like it's the size of the Grand Canyon. So I would think most Bayern fans could see that. Like taking Lewandowski from Dortmund, like that's soul crushing. <laughs> it really is. Now here's the thing. Like I don't, but I'm saying all this and it sounds like it's criticism of Bayern. I'm not necessarily criticizing them. They have their eyes on Real Madrid, PSG, Man City, Barca. Like they're trying to win the Champions League. And so to do that, this is what they have to do. They're not doing anything wrong. They've got to build as great a team as they possibly can to compete in that uh, against those clubs. So like, I get it, but by the same token, if you're a Bayern fan, understand that people are going to roll your eyes with roll their eyes when you continue to do this. Like it's it's not fun. It's not fun for the league. So yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that would be my answer. Yeah, you can't be immune to that. You just can't be. And and like, like they're FC Hollywood. Actually, that's that's the perfect segue. They continue to be FC Hollywood. So Bayern in the news today uh, in a huge way in the last few hours. In the last few hours, that's true. Breaking news, even. Uh, managerial move. Nagelsmann, gone. Tuchel, in. Oof. It goes to show how high expectations are there. They're one point out of first. They're in the quarterfinals of the Champions League after just shutting out PSG. Shutting out Mbappe, Messi. I mean, manager, gone. I mean, it's it's tough what they expect there. It's uh so I've I went straight away to like some contacts that we have from down the years in the pod about like why is this happened and there's a lot of people who are just like they're reeling from this right now, like Nagelsmann was the young, uh, in a in football terms, sexy manager with all the ideas and he was going to do this and he was going to do that, and like he has achieved, like mostly what has been expected so far. I'm sure being effective in the Champions League is a big part of, of his remit. I did not see this coming. And, no, and, and, and nobody I've spoken to saw this coming. There has to be some tensions between him, Salahamizic, and the rest of the board for this to happen. And I don't know why. Now, 
unless they looked at like they feel as if performances are really, really falling away and there's an opportunity to win the Champions League that they clearly see and they think they want like a closer mm-hmm. like Tuchel who closed out for Chelsea when he came in late. Um, but this seems to me absolutely crazy. Crazy. And I can't understand it. Yeah, I'm pretty stunned by it myself. Um, but maybe that's just, maybe we're naive. Maybe uh, maybe this should have been more expected than what we're than what we're intimating. I, I don't know. And I wonder what happens to Nagelsmann now. Because I would, I still... I still feel like he's a, a hot property that he's somebody that a, a, you know, a good team would be interested in. I don't know that he leaves here. Like is his reputation in tatters after no. this? I don't, I don't think that it is necessarily. His, there is a slight tear in it based on the fact that there was some, something that, that freaked or spooked the Baron board. And we need to find out what that was. Like we're, we're it's, this is so bizarre and so strange at this point in the season that I, like I did read something, maybe was it five months ago about tensions between him and the board, but like that, not that there was even tensions, but there was maybe disagreements on some kind of signing policy. Um, but yeah, it the the top of the Bayern of 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 Bayern Munich is old Bayern Munich players, so they have certain ways of doing things, certain ways they've seen things done, and maybe he was asking to to rip up the blueprint too much and they didn't like it or they didn't, they were concerned about performances results. I don't know. Um, but I, I couldn't see this coming. And now the obvious talk is, is that Spurs should immediately pounce on Nagelsmann. Like that, that is the guy to get in straight away. I don't, I personally, I don't see that happening. I think he'd be reeling with absolute shock from what's, uh, what's occurred here. I, I, I have no explanation for what's happened. Well, if he's looking for a career rejuvenation, I don't know that North London is the place for him. No, maybe not. Maybe not. Um, but you're just, right. His, oh, but absolutely. His name will be mentioned. Tuchel's name was being mentioned. One that I was not into, by the no. way. I don't care that he has a Champions League to his name. Wasn't into it. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. You can tell me I'm wrong. Jonathan but. Hanks, I don't feel good about Tommy Tuchel headed to Bayern. Tactics Tommy ends up in Bayern Munich. I just I don't. I don't know. And I don't know why this has happened. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. So yeah, Bayern Munich in the midst of a Champions League run, making a a pretty big managerial move. Do you want uh, me to what? do you want me to grab the next one? Yeah, please. Uh, Ryan Atherton. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, just want to say huge fan and appreciate all the hours of precious enjoyment to your podcast over the years. Been a fan of the pod for two years and a fan of Barcelona for eleven. And I am shattered about the accusations on the club and want to hear your thoughts. Uh, as well, if you think this will hurt their chances of signing players, uh, Messi return this summer? Question mark. Thanks again. All the best for Massachusetts, Ryan. Let me deal with the mm. Messi part of it first. I, I, I mean, the guy who literally—I don't want to say he bankrupted the club, but like trying to keep him bankrupted the club and put them in such a, a, an invidious position. So, like, I don't see him coming back. I don't. I don't see how the money would work. I, 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 no. Don't think that's happening. And then I suppose the next question then is, will this hurt their chances of signing players? So we don't know exactly what's going to happen with these accusations, indictments, whatever you want to call them. But for example, if they're, if, if, if like the nuclear button is pressed and they're relegated, that's going to absolutely affect their chance of signing players. So I don't know that that one is going to happen. You don't think so. I don't know that that one's going to happen for a variety of reasons. One, um, 
I, I don't know if that would have to if that would be a punishment that could only come from La Liga, and they've already said that they cannot they cannot litigate this because this the what happened here the breaches here or alleged breaches occurred outside the statute of limitations for them, which is three years. And this goes up through 2018, five years ago. So, um, so I don't, so Javier uh, Tebas has said that there's nothing he can do here. His hands are tied. Now there's the, the legal system in Spain is looking into this, into this. And now we're hearing that UEFA uh, has reportedly also opened up an investigation. Um, so UEFA, it, that investigation could potentially also be damaging in that even if Barcelona wins the league, uh, they could still be banned from European competition. And that influx of cash for a club that's already cash strapped like they are, and, and that's putting it mildly, um, that would also prevent them, I would think, from signing players. So, yeah, no matter what, if if this goes, if this doesn't go the way that Barcelona hopes, if this goes against them, then yes, I, I think no matter what, they're going to be in some real financial trouble when it comes to trying to to add to their team. This is like, I know we kind of, we dipped our toe in this the other night, I mean, this is this is truly this has a chance to be one of the uglier chapters in the last, I don't know, 50 years of this sport. When you're talking about yeah. one of the most not just Barcelona, the brand, but like with, even within Barcelona culture, this is like one of the, mo- the most treasured era in the history of their team with maybe the greatest player of all time and a manager overseeing it who's been labeled as one of the game's great geniuses javi iniesta two of the all-time fan favorite players among barcelona support i mean like if this continues to go down this road that it looks like it's kind of headed right now it's going to force a lot of people to have to rethink the way they look at some of these careers and that's that's very sad to me because these are these are all-time greats these are legendary players that we're talking about yeah i I think i i wonder like if Spanish football or the whole Spanish football ecosystem goes into like a protection mode because Barcelona, I know. I don't know. I don't, I don't get that sense. No. I almost sometimes wonder if the rest of Spanish football, I don't know. Am I reading it wrong to say they're, they're almost resentful of Barcelona and Real Madrid and like, you know, the, the super league stuff and you know, how those clubs seem to operate in a world of their own. Um, I don't know. This is this is from ESPN FC. They say uh, Barca paid Jose Maria Enriquez Negrera over seven million euros between 2001 2018 with Spanish prosecutors alleging they sought favorable treatment from match officials as part of the agreement. Uh, Barcelona JJ are adamant that they've done nothing wrong and that Negrera was just providing them with technical reports on officiating. Um, Joan Laporta referred to this. he he referred to this whole thing getting cons- essentially getting these consultations from a referee as quote very normal. Ah, uh, come on. I mean, <laughs> come on. Is That's it a- like why? No, there it's seemed not. To be a, would- there seemed to be quite a bit of secrecy around this for something so normal. Why would why would they have been operating that way? I don't think it's. I would I would say maybe it, it could be considered normal if it was a retired referee. You know, somebody who they were bringing in to you know. I don't know, educate the players in certain ways of what officials like to call. Yeah, you're stretching now, though. Come on. Who's out of the game. But this guy was the vice president of officiating in Spain. And the payments were the payments were enormous. His with his the alleged payments were enormous. The alleged withdrawals were enormous, too. It, um, you know, it stinks. It absolutely stinks. But I mean, I, I, I do get the sense maybe that this won't have quite the implications we think it will, but it still tarnishes what went, what happened to, um, and, and, you know, PK saying, well, we would have won anyway. 
I mean, okay, but is that the point though? No, it's not the point. And by the way, do we even know? Like that's okay. Say that doesn't make it true. I don't know. It's going to cause people to question if this is, if this continues to, to persist and we find out more information, like, I don't know that you, can you just say that? No. The other side to it is as well, Andrew, that there was, um, just as an example, there was a famous Irish politician, Charlie Hawhey, who took hundreds of thousands, millions from wealthy property developer, developers and businessmen over the course while he was Taoiseach, Prime Minister. They never could link that he took that money and then did something. Does that make the impropriety better? Does, like it, it still happened. The money was still given, and that's the problem. And incredibly, I'm reading now from Sky Sports, JJ. They write Spanish uh, Spanish newspaper El Mundo have reported on conversations they had uh, they've had with some of Barcelona's former directors in confidentiality, in which they claim that the payments to Negrera were made for protection against perceived bias in favor of their rivals Real Madrid. So what? what so what is it that they're saying here? That well, we needed to pay we off officials. To- because the officials are already against us and for Real Madrid. Yeah. That's so this is le- so these payments were essentially to level the playing field. That's weak. what. Come on. I hope that's not a defense that they're actually going to make publicly. I mean, it says El Mundo is saying that these com- conversations were held in confidentiality, which uh, I guess they're operating under the uh, the same confidentiality rules that Greg Berhalter was. What was that called, JJ? Something House Rule. Yeah, I I, the charter house rules. Yeah, that's um, a thing. Yeah, uh, I told you. I told you my deepest secrets. I told your deepest secrets to to someone else. Okay, charter house rules. Yeah. Nope. Nah. Pretty flimsy. Um. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see if UEFA they've opened up this investigation. We'll see what comes out from it. But oh man, like, look at what I. It's a weird thing because. I'm not a Barcelona fan. I'm not a Barcelona hater, but I love this sport. And like, while I I want justice to be served, if Barcelona were paying off officials for for 17 years through all this, I want that to be known and I want them to be punished for it. But I also, I also kind of hope that it's not true. I'm sort of hoping that like there is a reasonable explanation because I don't, I don't know. I I know what I saw. I loved what I saw. I don't want to now have to question what I saw. Like as someone who loves the game, I just, ah, you hate this stuff. Like you hate it with, you know, the, the, the scandal that went through Italian football. Now, you, you know, you hate it with this, like, wow, God, the sport just like you love it in so many ways, but the sport will let you down in so many ways as well. It's and, very disappointing. And to let people in on something like Andrew hates talking about, you know, outside investment hates. Andrew just wants to talk about the sport. I'm a very simple boy. Yeah. The, the simple boy in Andrew. Oh, the simple boy in andrew's brain doesn't want to have to deal with any of that kind of stuff any of that kind of impropriety anything that tarnishes things that's murky he doesn't want to know about no i want to be an ostrich yeah i want to like nigel pearson that's right are you are you an ostrich are you an ostrich imagine at a press conference is your head in the sand oh good matthew banker this is an interesting one whether or not Arsenal win the Premier League this year, they aren't viewed as a powerhouse. Who should come in to bolster the team for years to come and who should they replace? Okay, so like I'm not going to answer that. That's a great that. question. This, it, 
this team is top of the league. I'm not going to start saying, well, they need to get rid of X or Y right now. I, I, I don't know what they need to bring in. I don't need probably more players. If they want to keep doing this, bring in more players, have more depth. But the idea that they're not a powerhouse, Arsenal are one of the biggest clubs in the Premier League, biggest clubs in England. Ergo, they're one of the biggest clubs in the world. But I, get, it, but I get his point, though. He's no, saying, okay, no. go on, Arsenal, win the title. But when well, next me, season starts, we're all picking Man City to win the next one. Well, exactly. So if you're talking about the powerhouses, then the houses you're talking about are the Royal House of Saud and the Royal House of Abu Dhabi. Whether they can you know, compete with those houses of power that's a different question. I actually don't believe they can. I think we're staring down the barrel of one of the last few years where you won't see either Man City or Newcastle competing right at the top or, heaven forbid, a Qatari-owned, super-fueled Manchester United. I mean, United are already like a Bugatti Veyron. So what is this, like 10 Bugatti Veyrons on top of each other? So, um, yeah, I don't know where Arsenal are long-term, but you better pray that they win this league anyway because I think there's... There's a Middle Eastern domination coming. The question is is a tough one to answer though because I don't like when when you look through Arsenal's squad. Like again, I fundamentally I I agree with his point. Like I don't know like when next year rolls around and they're in the Champions League. Like I don't I'm not going to pick them. But like by the same token, they'll have won the Premier League, arguably the toughest league in the world to win. And I look at their squad and it's like. Nothing jumps off the page to me as like an obvious answer to, okay, well, they have to get better there. They got to replace this guy. Like, it's not, it's not simple. Like, no, it's uh, not simple, but I would say uh, they could do it another center back, another quality center back. I would look at say Kieran Tierney. But like Saliba and Gabrielle, like, are you not comfortable moving forward with that as their center backs? But but like with Ben White as like a hybrid, like no, when you need no, no, no. To fill I, in I, center back, or I when you need g- him to be out wide, like he can do both. I, if you've learned anything from Liverpool, you need to stockpile your center back so guys can come in and cover guys who are injured. Look at Kieran Tierney. Um, I think from in in terms of Zinchenko, like he's fantastic. Is there is there any way you can get some some kind of um person who can come in and replace him at striker? I think I could. I think they could do with a, an, an uh another striker. Yeah, I actually do. So, um, like, I mean, up front, we're talking about, like, obviously, look, Bukayo Saka is a gem. He's not going anywhere. Uh, but, like, between Jesus, Martinelli, Trossard, and Ketia, Balogun. Who Mar- Martinelli, not, not, Martinelli, not an out-and-out out out proven goal scorer. Straight-up goal scorer. Yeah. Um, uh, who else did you mention there? Uh, Trossard, great player, not an out-and-out an out out goal scorer. He's not that kind of player. He's more a fellow that makes things happen rather Jesus. than a finisher. Uh, Jesus, got to have someone that can come in. Inketia, too kind of uh, erratic. A de- so, great depth player, yeah. Yeah, so you need you you do need more options. But you're a Rigi. <laughs> I, I, I just think Arsenal have, have done fabulous this season and uh, and I almost don't want to talk about the future with them, although it's something they'll have to... I mean, who's thinking about this in a title race? <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, well, that leads to our next question, JJ, which... Um, well, Lucas makes a good point here on, he says, uh, I don't think anyone's going to think of them as a powerhouse until they actually win the league. That's the only silver bullet to win the media. Never mind winning the media, Lucas. You're going to be, Arsenal Premier League champions is going to attract a higher caliber of player again. That's, that's, uh, that's definitely the case. Yeah. Um, Martinelli yeah. has 13 league goals 
and more than Saka, not a goal scorer. Saka, well, I wouldn't say Saka's now now goal scorer. Um, yeah, Martinelli, that's a good return, but okay. I still but they're so young. But it, these guys that think we're they are more. so young, though. What's that? Well, the, these players that we're talking about, though, they're very young. I mean, like we're not. I don't know that we're seeing the finished product with with many of these guys. No, I'm just I'm just thinking from the Liverpool standpoint. I never, you always felt you needed more. Like last season when Liverpool went in and went out and got Diaz and made sure he came in. You need to keep keep that kind of refreshing things, especially when you're competing with a, with a powerhouse like Sure. City. Well, that, that is true. Look, yeah, obviously they, they can't sit still. Like if you do that, you'll be, they'll be passed, certainly. But like, again, Martinelli, he's 21. He's so like, you know. There, yeah, there's... and I, I, like, I liked him when he was getting, I, I didn't think Arteta liked him though early on and maybe he was just trying to, get him up to speed and how we wanted him to play. He I mean, to... if you watched all or nothing, it seemed like they all were really fond of him. Yeah, definitely. But there was more of a, a sense. He's going to get his run uh, early on. Anyway, he was going to get his run in the, in the league cup. And I, I, when I saw him in the league cup, I think, God, he's got to start more uh, in the league. And now he is, and he's doing well, but um, Julio Correa, Martinelli can have a career similar to, if not better than Sterling and Mares, in my opinion. Well, may, remains to be seen. Uh, you want to go for another one? Yeah, sure. How about uh, Troy McIntosh? All who right. says, uh, I have a question for JJ. Instead of spending all that money on Bellingham, wouldn't it be better spent on getting three midfielders for the same price as one? Thanks, guys. Uh, Your thoughts? I would say, Troy, it has to be both. You have to try and get oh, Bellingham. Wow. And you have to try and get two other midfielders in there as well. I think. See, I don't. I don't think giving up in Bellingham, but Bellingham's not a silver bullet. He's not going to solve all the problems himself. Um, and again, you're trying to recreate something. You're trying to recreate Genie Wijnaldum, Jordan Henderson, and Fabinho again. I think this sport. I wish I had more examples off the top of my head. I sometimes think this sport proves to me that one transcendent player is better than three good ones. Yeah, but I think, I think if Liverpool, like, like Liverpool, do need someone else in there uh, with him. They they do need to to phase out some of the older midfielders in there. We've seen that this season, and Bellingham is key. Also, having Bellingham means Manchester City or Manchester United don't have him. Um, that is that is a fact. Yeah. So I think it needs to be Bellingham plus two. I really do. Whether FSG are prepared to go to the go to the well and do that, that remains to be seen. Will they do it without new invest- investment? It remains to be seen. Um, it's, a, it's a tough one, but I don't think Bellingham is going to solve the problem on his own. Like I remember when, um, you know, I always go back to this when we talk, when we had this conversation, but um, when Tottenham sold Bale and brought in the seven I mean, this guy's saying bring in instead of one, go with three good. Tottenham went with seven good with the money that they made off of that. Now we can debate whether or not they turned out to be good. Some of them were duds, but you know, there were guys who left there and went other places and wound up having productive careers elsewhere. And like it was not the same. It just was not. Now, like Christian Eriksen turned out to be a great player, but it took a it took a while, basically until a new manager and a a, a superstar in Kane, until those things took form. Uh, who knows what direction it would have continued to go without those two things happening. So I don't know. I, I think I, I think I fall more in the camp of give me the superstar over three good players. Okay. I think that's where I fall. Uh, now here's a question that you shall answer entirely on your own. 
This, this is from Anthony. Can Tongi Ndombele or any oh. of the loaned out players be like a new signing for Spurs this summer? Oh, Ndombele. All right, so here's the players that they have on loan currently. They're actually all big, pretty big names. Uh, Ndombele, it's, he's at Napoli. Destiny Udagi is at Udinese. Uh, Lo Celso is at Villarreal. Uh, Reguillon's at Atletico Madrid. Jed Spence is at Rennes. Harry Winks is at Sampdoria. Uh, Brian Hill is at Sevilla. And Joe Rodon is also at Rennes. I mean, I going through those names, the ones that stand out to me, Jed Spence last weekend was reportedly, I didn't see it, but they played against PSG and they shut out Mbappe, Messi, they shut them out. And Jed Spence was apparently incredible at fullback in that game. So sure, I'm ready. Bring them on over. Let's do it. Um, you know, some of these other ones like Winks, Rodon, Reguillon, Lo Celso, um, I'm good. Like, you know, if they want to come back and they can play a role as like some Welcome, kind of rotation, but like, like, you know, Europa League guys or, you know, conference league, guys, like if you got to round out a squad. So like, yeah, I'm OK with that. But the, those guys are not transcendent to me. Um, JJ Tangy and Dombele will always be he'll always have a weird, a weird part of me, my loyalty. Uh, every part of me wants to say no. Don't do it. It's like a, a girlfriend that is like has wronged you time and time again, but you you're obsessed with her. You can't you can't let go. You can't forget about her. Like, and every time she just does one little thing to try to bring you back in, you're all in. And I feel like well, you know, I see he just scored with Napoli. Uh, they're going to win the title in, in Serie A. They might win a Champions League. And like, and I see it. I'm just like. Maybe he, but maybe it could work for us. Maybe, maybe we need to give him another chance. Let's give him another chance. Come on. Am I wrong? Like he did everything he did at Tottenham. It was just like all the wrong things. Like he didn't, his work rate is like, I saw, I've seen all the compilation videos of him just like not trying. (laughs) I've seen them. I'm not blind to it, but God, I'm just like, so I'm so hypnotized by those moments of brilliance that he is capable of. I can't help it. No, I hear you. And there's some like there are just some players and you just want to keep giving them chances because you've you've seen the good. And I get that. I absolutely get that. Um, that I don't know why he would want to come back. Well, why would he in the position he's in right now? Why would he? Right. (laughs) I don't. So, but I mean, it may not be his choice. I know it may not be his choice, but but he could say no and he could be disgruntled. And, you know, but yeah. Ah, that one is always going to be a weird one to me. Uh, Kyle goes to the other side of North London. Uh, well, not quite. He played in a few places with news of Ozil's retirement today. I'd love to hear your thoughts on his career as it certainly was an interesting one. Oh man, was it ever. Can I, can I give my defining moment from his career? Because look, he's a World Cup winner. He spent seven seasons at Arsenal. I had no idea that he was there that long. Well, the um, last two were kind of ugh, yeah, in the, they really in the darkness. Yeah, they were. Um, but the defining moment for me, maybe not the defining moment, but the moment that sticks in my brain is Bloemfontein, South Africa, 2010 World Cup, round of 16. The fourth goal, Germany versus England. Mesut Ozil racing away from Gareth Barry to center for uh, Thomas Muller. And I watched it again today and Andrew Ozil running past Gareth Barry. It was as if 
a 19th century 70 year old man that had worked in the mines all his life had just been put in midfield and was trying to catch up with this guy it, it's it's so galling the way he breezes past him it's it's almost I don't like know if this says more about Ozil or Gareth Barry Ozil wasn't exactly known as an Usain Bolt out there absolutely destroyed him but don't forget he was he was uh he was so much younger then and he, he destroyed him but the best part of the move and the most Ozil part of the move was he slows down because Muller has to catch up and he's been faced off by one of, I suppose the consensus would be one of the best defenders ever to play uh, in England, Ashley Cole. And he slips the ball through his legs outside of the right boot through his legs and finds Thomas Muller. It's so subtle. It's so perfect. It was, um, I mean, it was an absolute destruction, but um, it's interesting what, you know, when reflecting on his career, Arsene Wenger speaking to us was probably one of the most insightful things. Um, That's about, ever happened on this podcast. Well, I you think. asked him directly about Ozil, if I remember. So th- mm-hmm. I found ESPN's article. They still have us up on the website in some form. Speaking to ESPN's Caught Offside podcast, yes. Wenger quelled the notions that Ozil can be trouble in the boot room. He was not difficult to manage. He was a guy who had a special quality as a creative player and needed to have fun. He's an artist, and these guys are a bit more sensitive. They need support and an environment that pushes them to give their best. Um, kind of like an Arsenal Kyrie Irving. And you asked, like, so Wenger provided, yeah, Kyrie Irving, kind of. Uh, Wenger Whenever also I see that term artist, I mean, yeah, that's how yeah. Durant described him. Like, that's, that's just what I think of. Uh, Wenger also provided advice for Arteta, once his player at Arsenal, how to best utilize someone like Ozil. You have two ways to see a football team. You get everybody to do the same, the same intensity of work, the same defensive work, or you find a compromise. You have a more creative player in the team who can do less defensive work, but you build a team around him who can compensate for these deficiencies. That is what you have to think about. Now, that is exactly what you couldn't do. At that point in the league with, with, uh, Murcio Pochettino's press with Jurgen Klopp's constant perpetual motion. You couldn't do that. You couldn't have a passenger. Wenger is totally wrong in what he said to you there. You can't have a guy like that unless he's willing to put the work in and do the real hard yards. And at that point, he really wasn't anymore. Yeah. Um, my memory of Ozil, when I think about his career, I kind of, maybe I'm just sort of like rejecting the bad stuff. But I thought he was really a great player, like one of the best passers that this league has seen. Um, Even, you know, his Real Madrid years had a 16 assist season with Real Madrid, an 18 assist season with Real Madrid, had a 19 assist season with Arsenal, just one off Henri's record. Um, I don't know. I think. I think he was the victim at the end of his own demeanor. I think he was the victim a little bit of his contract Hmm. and what he was being paid weekly. I think that a lot of Arsenal fans just could not get past the fact that, you know, on the field for however good he might've been, he was not living up to what was it then? 350,000 a week. I mean, an an incredibly, a massive number. Was he not the victim also of, of standing up for, for political opinions? I think Um, that is part of it too. Yeah. Standing up for the Uyghurs. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe the situation in Turkey, the situation in Germany as as regards migrants and things like that. He he had comments to say on that that 
ultimately didn't didn't help the situation, but those were he, his be- beliefs. Yeah. And he's still only 34. I know. That's the thing for me. Like in the modern game, a player of his type, surely we, we should still see him going. Like when you see, and I know he's he's not even an outlier, is he? When you see uh what Modric is doing. <laughs> well, the gr- I mean, the gr- that's a little bit of an outlier. Okay, well, I mean, Modric is what, like six years? Not six years, but... He's 38, right? Yeah, four years older. I, I, I just feel like we should still be seeing Ozil. And, and good for him. If if he wants out, doesn't want any more part of it, that's that's good for him that he can do that. Yeah. Uh, interesting, though. Great stuff. Fascinating career, Mesut yes. Ozil. One day, like, there will be highlight packages of him that you'll see, and you'll be like, oh, man, that's right. He was really special. I was looking at stuff today. There was an outside-of-the-boot pass he paid for Real Madrid. It ended up in a goal, and it's outrageous. Just the velocity, the, the curve on it. He was, fan- he was fantastic. He really was. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Coach Shea, would love to get your take on the World Baseball Classic that just concluded last night with Japan's victory over the USA. Andrew, I will cede the floor to you on that. I loved it. Mm -hmm. I loved every second of it, except for that second of Mike Trout striking out against Shohei Otani. Uh, Otani. I didn't love love that part. But this tournament, like I don't know. I felt like um, this felt like a moment where this tournament crossed uh, a, a threshold from kind of like nuance you know sort of like niche competition that like hardcore baseball fans were sort of into into something more mainstream i mean over five million people watched the final in the united states that's that that's a good number that's a really good number for something that was on fs1 wasn't on regular fox so um like for me it's now become a this is a thing now yeah like the next one's in 2026 and i will be excited about it i'll right. be interested who they're who's going to be on this team you know, who's going to commit, who are they going to try and grab? Like uh, it's, it's something that I will look forward to. The only thing I wonder about with it is are they playing at the right time of year? That's, that's the question I was going to ask you. Like this feels like a tournament that deserves no impediment. And the impediment is the start of the regular season in major league baseball. Here's the problem. There will always, there is no time of year with this sport where there will not be impediment because the problem is, like, what was the one thing really missing from this tournament? Marquee starting pitching. None of those guys, none of like the Cy Young candidates, they're yeah. not, they're not there. Um, and Does so that like in some way make it better. 
no, you want us if you want this tournament to really have prestige and like real gravitas to it. And and I'm not saying it doesn't mean something. It meant something. You could see that it did. Mm. But for it to be the best version of itself, it's got to have all the best players. Okay. And so if you're if a tournament's being held in March, these pitchers are just warming up. They've been resting their arms. They are fragile. I would say that a starting pitcher in baseball is arguably the most fragile athlete in American sports. You know, the way they're handled, they're every pitch is monitored, right. every movement, every warm-up session. Um, and so, like, really, you're gonna have a guy who is being paid this amount of money who you're handling so delicately now in March, when he's supposed to be tuning up for the season, you're going to throw him out there into a series of winner take all intense scenarios against the best hitters in the sport. Like you're going to have a guy he's you're asking guys to go from zero to not just 60, zero to 75 in the blink of an eye. Pitchers can't do that. So having the tournament now, it complicates that you could say, okay, well let's do it in the winter. I I still think you would run into that problem. And I think there are some guys too, who just want to have the winter off and a little bit of time away from the sport, at least when they're doing it now, you've got a bunch of guys who are saying, well, I can either go to spring training and play baseball, or I can do it in this super fun environment in a tournament like this and play baseball. Right. Like if you do it in the winter, you do have guys who might be a little more hesitant because they just need some time to decompress. Um, the other thing I was thinking of is if, if they do something mid season, there's a week off for the all-star break, double that, make it two weeks. See if you can, if you can squeeze the tournament in a two week window, um, maybe that one makes a little bit more sense. All of these ones come with different pitfalls. Yes. Um, and I'm not saying you're this saying one is this, bad. This ultimately, you're saying this tournament needs more shine. And it's close. I th- I think it got it. I think in this tur- I think this tournament it got a lot of that shine. It was this was this felt like a marquee event in a way that I don't necessarily remember previous WBCs feeling. Um, so I, I I'm excited for 2026. Yeah, a lot of people just absolutely loving it here. Um, Tanner Lefevre, or Lefevre, Lefevre, the Fever. Will uh, Will Balogun have officially declared for the US before the CO, before the cutoff side boys actually get around to talking about him on this pod? Only kidding, sort of. We'll get there. All right. Yeah, that's a que- that question's coming up. It's coming up. Um, but sometimes you got to save your best stuff in course. these situations because you got to keep Bango. people wanting more. Django Bango, Andrew, looking very Jake Gyllenhaal tonight. Just add them to the list. When you're a generic white male, you look like every name a white male. And he's uh, Andrew. You can find him in me. It's <laughs> you are an every man. Yeah, literally. Um Missiel Romero got a question, pod related. When did you guys know that one, the podcast was going to be a success? Two, you would need to make the move to independence. Um, uh, okay. Well, I can answer the first one. Yeah. I swear I'm not blowing smoke. I'm not, I'm not trying to, <laughs> I'm not kidding when I say this, when the day you and I met wow. when we had lunch and like, I could tell right away, I was like, okay, this is actually going to like this. I can't guarantee how many people will listen. Cause like, yeah. I don't know what our reach is going to be. Cause yes. neither one of us are famous, but I know that what we, I know that what we're going to do is going to be good and fun. And I think that I feel that that has more than bore itself out over the last uh, however many years. I would say I would say deadly serious. When I met you first, I thought "Mm, cold and and (laughs) no cold and distant. No, I I definitely think when we when we met, 
We had a rapport. We seemed like uh, we were into the same kind of stuff. And then it was just a case of like, you went on vacation and then when you came back, we were going to start. So mm-hmm. um, no, like success. I always knew we were, we were going to get on and people would enjoy what we did reach uh, and all that came l- much later actually. Um, but yeah. What about the second part to the question about independence? That's a trickier one. That was kind of, we'd been thinking about it and weren't sure how we would do it. Um, but independence was somewhat foisted. Well, I left, I worked at ESPN for 16 years and then I left. Yes. And, and they, and it became, um, that became a problem. It um, did become a problem. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, we had, we wanted to, like, it, it, I'm not going to say that there was a ceiling for us there, but, it felt like there kind of was. And ah, it there felt was. Like there definitely it, was. There wasn't. There was a. a periodically, we get promises about doing X or Y, and they were never fulfilled, and they were yeah, never really fo- followed up on. And I know you you don't feel comfortable talking about this, um, but I do. There was a lot of talk. We weren't regarded in any real fashion by any of the higher ups. Not really. Um, but our numbers were good enough that no one would say, "Hey, we got to get rid of these pair of dolts." And so that is, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think breaking like what we're doing right now, this YouTube live stream, like we wanted to do stuff like this. Yeah. I don't know that those things were going to happen there. Um, you know, merchandise, which is something I promise. You know, I know we, it feels like people think we've been talking about it forever. When's it going to happen? Like, it's we're, work, it's, we're working on it now. Like, now it, now it can be a reality, whereas, whereas before, I don't know that it could have. No. You know, if we wanted to do live shows, things like that, it's just, I don't know, whatever, you know, whatever sorts of, you know, interesting and different things that maybe we wanted to do. It uh, felt like being independent was going to give us a chance to do those things. Just to crest, uh, to address one quick one from Noah Arterburn here. What benefits did you have with being an ESPN as opposed to independent the other reach. than popping up in the feed next to the FC pot? The reach of ESPN is just phenomenal guys. It's absolutely phenomenal. So getting out there, and it's no joke to be on the ESPN FC feed. Yeah, um, yeah, that last part there. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln. I mean, saying other than popping up on the ESPN FC feed. Well, that. I mean, I can't. Once even, that happened, then we really took off. Right. I can't even. Dis, I, I, it's hard for me to put into numbers how many people found us that way. Yeah. I mean, it. You know, so so that was everything. Um, and look, I will say that for two guys, again, I know I've said this before for two guys who are not really former players and who are not really famous, you know, having those four letters attached to this podcast gave us, I think an instant credibility that maybe, I don't know, had we earned it? I I don't know. I think we've, I'd like to think that over time we've, we've shown that we earned the right to have been a part of ESPN soccer coverage, but right out of the gate to have that, I mean, I, I don't know. Um, and so having that and being kind of handed credibility, I think mattered. Uh, and you know, so it was, it was great. Like those it were great, great years. It was great. I have no, no real complaints. Yeah. Um, uh, Daniel TV question, JJ, your thoughts on dairy girls. Um, what is it, this? Dairy girls is a TV comedy on Netflix wildly popular everywhere including the united states no shock you haven't heard of it though. it's off my i'm watching damnation right now on netflix it's really good so far i'm uh two episodes two and a half in yeah yeah anyway 
<laughs> if you have if it pops up on your algorithm. Well, what's that about? Uh depression era in Iowa farmers on strike and it's uh-huh. turning very very violent. Okay. Uh between them and like the government strike breakers things like that and it's um a lot of relationships that are starting to appear that are really interesting and I'm into it. I'm hooked. Okay. Um Derry Girls is about um a bunch of girls from uh Derry and mm-hmm. uh the north of Ireland growing up during the end of the troubles and the start of the peace times and it's comedy and it's honestly season one was so funny season two season three not as funny but i still laugh every time i watch it um it's i don't know maybe growing up and uh, going to catholic school and, and things like that um i didn't grow up in the north so i didn't have that kind of you know tension a uh, constant tension of of the background of violence but uh very very funny it's a very, very funny show. I honestly, Daniel, I really like it. Okay. Um and uh and, and I think everyone should go and watch it. Uh JT just did a wonderful article about their classicer between Ajax and Feyenoord. Oh, that's Carol Ankin. Carol Ankin yeah. did that. Yeah. Uh, uh for the Athletic. What are your bucket list of rivalry matches you'd like to attend? Honestly, any of them. Living in the States. Like the, uh, you just don't get an opportunity to to go to that level of kind of games. They're so far away. It's so expensive. Um, and honestly, I I wouldn't say I haven't been a uh, Celtic versus Rangers. That is yeah, that, that's right up there. That was number one on my list. Yeah. Um, and I know it's cliche, but I just think seeing El Clasico, I just think would be cool. Yeah. But not when they're on tour. Like no. I want to see the real thing. Yeah, none of that. I've no okay. interest in any of that. Sorry, guys. And it, it's like just when not... they played in Miami. Like, yeah, it's it's just not, it's not the same. Um, so and literally any of them. And I would like uh, a friend of mine was just at uh, the Bombonera for. Mm. It. I would love to see, uh, Boca River at the Bombonera. I think I think that'd be amazing. I really do. Um, okay, Atticus Proctor. JJ's thoughts on the new U2 album. Uh, so the, f- the first thing to say is I'm a massive or was a massive U2 fan, but equally, I don't think they've had a good album in about 20 years. Hmm, so, 20 so like years. The, the original stuff they've done. So, uh, the so you're saying album, like you, the Elevation album would be their last good one? Is that what you're saying? So uh, that was um, All That You Can't Leave Behind. That that was the last one I was I was okay with. Everything after that was pretty meh. There'd be the odd song thrown in there, like from No Line on the Horizon. There was magnificent. That was a good song. But generally speaking, I just haven't enjoyed it. Now this new album is um, Songs of Surrender, which is a album of them covering their own stuff, so reimagining all their classic songs or a lot of their classic songs. So is I it a cover if you're if it's your own song? It is if you do it a different way, I guess. Um, hmm. And so I listened to it and I thought, at first I thought, I could just listen to the original of these songs and they're amazing songs. Um, but I would say that they they do some they do some nice little it's it's stripped back so it's more like a guitar and a piano, different vocals, slowed down, not as much production, um, and it's it's good. It's definitely good, but. It, the great question with music is it good because because it's actually good or because it reminds you of something that was good so i i think that's where you two are right now um and i've seen them four times twice in ireland 
and twice in the United States, uh, once at Giant Stadium, the old Giant Stadium, and once at uh, the Link. So, mm. um, yeah, it's uh, Noah. Are they going to download it to all of our phones again? Oh, that, that I hated. That was annoying, man. Really that backfired annoying. on them big time. But I'll I don't tell think you, they. I don't, they took I, a big negative PR hit there that I don't think they were expecting to take. I think no. they thought they were doing everyone a favor. No, if they, if 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 it was possible to have you know, downloaded Octung Baby to everybody in 1992 when it came out or 91, everyone had been like, yeah, this is great. But even then, it's an invasion of your privacy. Let me give you my music. No. <laughs> yeah. Don't want that. Um, I, I saw I would... them. I saw them once in uh, 2001 Ooh. in Philly. Uh, and uh, an angry curmudgeon threatened to throw my friend over a balcony that night. That's That's grim. It was unbelievable. Sorry, that's more of a curmudgeon to threaten that level of violence. He was so everyone in the stadium or in the arena, it was at the Wells Fargo Center, then First Union Center. But um, it's a concert, it's a U2 concert. Everyone is standing and singing along yeah. with every single song, except one man <laughs> who was seated and refused to stand up. And was furious with my friend who was standing. We were in the row in front of him. No. And he was furious with him. And he was screaming at him, cursing at him. And finally, he leaned over and, and said, I'm going to throw you over the effing balcony. Because we were in the first row of the upper deck. Ooh. He said, I'm going to throw you over the effing balcony if you don't sit down. So my poor buddy, we're, we were juniors in high school, I think, at that point. We're not going to fight a, a 50-year-old at a U2 show. So he sat. <laughs> uh, honestly, like... I. I was going to say, and that man was me. Um, that is just, <laughs> that's woeful yeah. behavior. Woeful behavior at a concert. Come on. Yeah. And then eventually the guy left. I don't know what was going on with this guy. Very and strange. so that, like, it was really, I don't mean to make it sound like it was a bad time. It was a hugely fun experience. Um, but yeah, that is a big part that I remember from it. Anyway. Uh, David, if JJ and Andy co-starred in a movie together, what kind would it be and what would it be called? Hmm. Maybe like some kind of... Uh, it's an odd couple. It's got to be an odd couple film. Yeah, like a buddy cop, like a rush hour, Chris Tucker, Jackie Chan type of movie. Yeah. Uh, maybe they call it uh, like the, right, the Right to Remain Violent. <laughs> no. no. What? Yeah, I don't know. Feels like the name of a, of a fun cop movie. What about our, our particular backgrounds? Maybe Would some kind of love triangle movie. Uh, call it, love uh, triangle i'm not competing with you for the same leading lady no call, che- call it uh check you later fun boy oh check you later fun boy and uh, noah says buddy cop is the low hanging fruit all right you come up with something better then <laughs> all right a war a war movie i don't know oh. oh do you know what i'd love what oh my god i'd love it because it's both it's what it, it's what we're obsessed with me and you deep in the ardennes Mm, oh my dog in cold winter we're together and there's mo- there's mortars just lo- we're, we're under attack the Wehrmacht are really really close we're under attack there's like grenades guns popping off and me and you think this is the end and like I'm staring right in your eyes and I'm saying listen I love you man and everything we've done everything we've been through I won't forget these times as we move on into the future. And we're just like, it's a passionate, like not passionate. That's weird. It's a, it's just pure band of brothers 
And then right at the moment where you're about to say something profound, you let one rip. I fart. Yes, a big fart. Hey. <laughs> Out of fear or just like, I just had a gassy moment. <laughs> both. Kind of both are funny, you know? <sighs> Actually, no, that's, but that's but, sad. What about some kind of like coming of age comedy? Like I, I'm, I want to find myself. So I decide to go study abroad in uh, at, at like Dundalk University. And, oh, and that's where I, I meet you. Listen, if you want to find yourself. And, oh, going, the hijinks that ensue. If you want to find yourself going to Dundalk is not a good option. <laughs> Let me tell you. You'll Port find university. You'll find something. It might be yourself. Uh, oh, my God. Let's see. I could see Trinity you guys College. in college. I could see you guys in an Air Bud franchise movie. Air Bud. Well, like, one of, am I the dog? I don't know. Uh, every time I listen to the pod, I'm reminded of Top Gun. No. Uh, although knowing Andrew, he'd do the bathing scenes in a swimsuit. Perf uh, Talk movie, Step Brothers 2. Ooh, interesting. All right. Oh, American version of Any Given Sunday. JJ's the manager. Andy is the player who makes the squad. An American just... version of any given Sunday. The movie's okay. as American as it gets. <laughs> maybe he's drunk. <laughs> or maybe he's watched it with Japanese subtitles. <laughs> Doesn't he's realize yeah, Al Pacino he... <laughs> is pretty American. Oh my God, I get to scream at you. And and you'd be a you'd be a wide receiver and I'd scream at you and, and you'd have to vomit. Yeah, I could see that. That'd be amazing. It's kind of how I work myself up for every pod that we do. <laughs> Next question. Uh, John, any thoughts on the whole Florian Balogun situation? Do you think he'll end up playing for the USMNT? Okay, let's let's get here. Some we the, go. Let's let's just do some reporting here. Jay Harris and Anthony Hay of the Athletic. Um, they're reporting that England under twenty one uh, head coach Lee Carsley, former Irish international, is hopeful uh, that Balogun will continue to represent the Young Lions, but insisted he will not quote twist his arm. Balogun appears to be the center of a tug of war between England and the United States over who he will choose to represent on the international team in the long term. The informed Rams striker pulled out of England's under-21 squad for their upcoming fixtures against France and Croatia due to a hamstring injury, but eagle-eyed followers of the Arsenal starlet Instagram account believe Balogun has used the international break to travel to Orlando, where the U.S. men's national team are currently training. I mean, it's not exactly sleuth detective work. <laughs> no, it's not at all. Anthony Hudson came out and said they're having conversations. I think this is happening. Carsley said he didn't give me any inkling that there was an issue or that he was thinking of doing anything in the future. He said he is looking forward to the summer and all the rest of it. So we'll obviously follow up, uh, follow that up after camp. I'll make sure that I go over to France. I've been to France a couple of times now to watch the players and I'll make a point of going over and meeting Flo. I mean, I think I mean, we are on, I think this is like alarm bells ringing. Uh, we are on red alert. I feel like this is, I don't know. Now I mean, just, he's, he's left the England's under 21 squad early to fly to the United States, to Orlando, to, to meet with the team and like hang out tonight. There was a picture of him. He was at an Orlando magic game tonight. Um, like this is, I don't know. I, I, there's a lot of things going on here that it's starting to feel more and more unlikely to me that he would do all these things and then not commit to the U.S. Now I just, when, especially with the the age profile of the team is like so many key young players. It feels like he would just like slot in perfectly 
with this group. I mean, Charles Bohm wrote on Twitter. He said, worth noting, USMNT are currently based an hour or so outside of Orlando proper, but suddenly there's a lot of smoke around Balogun's situation, and a couple of people I've spoken with have not exactly poured cold water on the rumors. Feels like another shoe is about to drop. Um, 18 goals in 29 for, for Stad Rem this season. Uh, should be noted, he put on his Instagram when he didn't get selected in the English first team squad, which is a tough one to be put in, but he was expecting to with his run of form in life. Go where you're appreciated. Oh, oh my goodness. Be easy. Are we about to have our striker problem solved? Um, I mean, if you think he's good enough, <laughs> then yes. Like I, I think, I don't know. Again, I'm, I'm not, I don't have sources. Like I'm just going off of my own vibes. intuition. My yeah, vibes. Sure. F it vibes. But like my own intuition of these situations of like reading a situation of literally reading what's being reported about a situation. I feel like this is going to happen. So if you think that he is of that caliber, that it solves the problem, then I think start wrapping your mind around that. Hmm. I think I'll say this. I can't tell you immediately that it solves the problem, but I know he's 21 years old. He's got, would you just say 18 goals in 29 games? Yeah. Um, in league, uh, I think he moves to the head of the line. I don't even. I'll I'll remove think. He moves to the head of the line, like that. That happens right away, and he'll be given every chance to become the guy that we've been waiting for at that position. So, I mean, I'm excited about it. Now, here's the thing that I go to that I'm thinking about. There's another, um, like the other day when Christian Pulisic gave his interview and came to Greg Bearhalter's defense in a big way. I mean, what what if this turned into what if this Balogun situation turned into like a Jimmy Chitwood situation in Hoosiers? If he just gets on the podium and just says, I play, coach stays. He goes, I go. <laughs> yeah. A lot of heads exploding again. I don't mm. think that's gonna happen. No, just, I don't think it's an interesting happen. scenario. That's all. It, look, I think if we're going on vibes, Instagram and just just even the vibes from the Carsley comments, like he, he so so just one paragraph from Carsley, the English under 21 manager. Just listen to this. He had the loan move to Middlesbrough, which was okay. <laughs> he's done excellent this season. He's really going in the right direction. If you think about the development that he's on going in the right direction, and hopefully we can still be a part of that. He's a big player for us. I don't I, I don't know. I think I think England are scared. Um, of, of him leaving? Well, not England aren't are unlikely to be scared considering the players and talent they have at their disposal. But the, the English under twenty one certainly are. I'll, I'll say that. that. Yeah, scared in a way that like like remember when the U.S. got Julian Green, and there and we thought that was a huge deal, and there were people in Germany who were like, "Who?" Yeah. Like it didn't register. I don't. I think this would be different. I think that this would be something where they would they would say, "Oh." It would have been nice to have him. No, this would be different. Don't forget, Julian Green hadn't hard he hadn't kicked a ball for Bayern Munich senior team. Right. So this is this is the guy playing in top five league scoring. Um it's a, a different scenario. Shall we move on? Yeah. That's a big one though, right there. Like, that's that's one that like be prepared for future pods to continue to to monitor this. Yeah, absolutely. Um this is from Gabe. 
Uh, I'm just listening to a recent episode, A Broken Man, and you mentioned service members and the anniversary of that massive catastrophe we know as the invasion of Iraq. As an army vet who served in Iraq 2004-2005, I appreciate the thought. It's important we remember that dark part of our recent history, which has affected so much to this day. Hopefully we have learned from it, but I'm not holding my breath. Thankfully, clearer skies were ahead for me as I was later twice stationed in Germany where my love of football blossomed. To this day, I'm a fan and club member of Borussia Dortmund, who I began to follow during Jurgen Klopp's tenure. Talk about timing. Just thought I'd pause the episode to write in per your request, although I'm not one of those you had corresponded with previously. Thanks again. Keep up the good work. Uh, don't forget to throw us BVB fans a bone now and then. We notice you when we do. All the best, Gabe. All right, Gabe, thank you for that. That was very nice. Yeah, it was nice of him. Appreciate that. Uh, I have a question for you along those lines. Yes. So on the last pod, when you re- when you read that out, you started it by saying something to the effect of, I forget the exact thing you said, but something to the effect of like, Andrew might be mad at me for doing this. Yeah. And I was like, uh-oh, where are we going? Yeah. And then it was essentially a thank you for your service moment. What would a, why would I have been mad about that? Not not that you that you hate the troops or that you. <laughs> yes. Thank you for clarifying. No, but but I was thinking a of the clock, and b of um, sometimes the clock. I, You're sometimes, thinking of 2016 me. 2023 me doesn't care. Sometimes I just get the vibe that when I go off on a tangent, you are resistant to that tangent. I'm going to need proof of when this has happened. This I, is I think, these these claims. And for that for that to be the tangent that you think I would get mad about, I, I think I deserve an apology. I apologize. I misread the room. You sure I, did. Misread your room specifically. OK, well, uh, thank you, Gabe. Thanks, Gabe. Toby Schwartzbauer. What an excellent last name. If you were a center midfielder from Austria in the 1930s. Toby Schwartzbauer. Uh, talk about how happy JJ is that Ted Lasso is almost over. Um, I haven't watched it yet. I'll get to it. And It's not that I'm... Well, first of all, it's not that I'm happy that it's over because people are still going to keep talking about it. That's, it's part of the, of the culture. It's part of the vernacular right now. It's that... They were at the White House the other day. Yeah. And they got some chief... Really cheap White House laughs, like unbelievable stuff, and that's the thing for me. Mm. It's not that I hate that people like it; it's that I just don't understand how. I cannot wrap my brain around it. And whenever I talk to anyone, they say, "Oh, I love it, I love it," and I say, "I just don't find it funny." They, to a man, to a woman, they respond, "Well, yeah, you know." I mean, it's corny, all right, and some of the jokes are a bit, Egh, but I just like it, and I just I don't understand that that where where that comes from. Um, by the way, in terms of happy, it's over. I DM'd Jason Sudeikis the other night to see if he had time to come on the podcast. He lives in Brooklyn. What the hell? Yeah, his DMs are open because, like, whether I like it or not, it's kind of irrelevant. So many people do that. We should probably talk about it on the podcast. Is that not right? No, that's very big of you. I'm stunned to hear that. I don't I think he was a am, big man. <laughs> I am huge. <laughs> wow. Uh, All right. Lilana Del Rey. JJ is such a hipster. I wonder where that came from. I don't understand. Why well, someone um, think that about you? Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I don't I don't hate it. I don't watch it. I just You don't come on. 
I Let's do not, not tell lies here. I do not understand how people can like this thing. So if that means that I hate it, fair enough. Um, and Evan Workman rounds us off. I'm just curious what you make of the random clips that you'll have to help me here, Andrew. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious what you make of the random clips that go around of Ronaldo floundering in the Saudi League. Does any of it make you guys sad? Love the pod. You guys rock. So, I mean, Evan, I haven't actually... Maybe there are ones of him, like, I don't know, being slow or being 38 or tripping over his feet. I don't know. I haven't seen them. The only ones I see of him do, are, are, was of that free kick he took um, last week or whenever it was where he drills. like, And it's literally 40 yards. Like, the fact that there's a team saying, yeah, go on, hit that, makes me wonder about the Saudi League. Um, and he leathers it. And it, I mean, the wall is pathetic. It just goes straight through the wall, skips under the goalkeeper's body and into the net. And I mean, it's a decent strike from that distance, but like, it's nothing. You're not like, oh my God, have you ever seen anything like that? I haven't seen the clips of him floundering, Andrew. Have you? Uh, yeah, I saw one, but oh, like, yeah, but it wasn't, I don't know. It was nothing crazy. I mean, it's, you know, I saw, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not the guy who's going to revel in it. Um. And also, like, let's keep some perspective. Like, he's 38. Yeah. So, like, it's okay if he's not, I don't know, like Pele out there or Ronaldo of five years ago out there. Like, it's okay. Like, I don't know. To me, like, it's normal. It would be weird if he was, like, I don't know, nutmegging everyone and, you know, spinning his way through the midfield and, like, going coast to coast. Like, I I'm okay with like whatever he does over there. I don't know. I'll be honest. It's kind of off my radar now. Um, But like, I'm not going to like, if he's not performing up to some elite level that they were expecting, I'm not going to take joy in it or laugh at it. Like, I don't know. I, I'm generally just like content with whatever his career has become. He's 38 years old. Like it's, it's probably winding down. It's not weird to me that he would have some moments that like could make for a funny video, like highlight negative highlight compilation. Like that's probably normal at this, at this point. Scored twice today for Portugal. He did. And in doing that, we should mention he scored twice. Uh, He celebrated becoming the most capped men's player in history. So he registered his 197th international cap. It's just wild. Uh, celebrated by scoring twice. Uh, once from the penalty spot. The second was a free kick, yeah. which was a great free kick. But I, I watched it slowly and I tweeted about this. I'm going to get some abuse. But his standing foot is so close to the ball that when the standing foot arrives first, obviously, it's right on top of it. And I think it causes either the ground or the ball to pop just that tiny little bit. And so when he hits it, he absolutely smashes through the back of the ball because it's raised a bit. And that's where you get the velocity from it. it. I spent at least 20 minutes slowing the video down on YouTube. And I think I found the moment where the ball just pops a bit. But however, an amazing strike. Um, and, and that second goal saw him make history. The first player to score 100 competitive goals in men's international football history. 100 competitive goals, men's international football history. Yeah. Right back into the side after the, after the world cup. Yeah. I mean, eventually they got to say goodbye, but not yet, 
Not, not quite yet. yet. Not if he's still scoring. Scored the, twice. The I know Eagles one's has still league, landed. But... Um, we have a message here from, from Darcy. Each time I look at Andrew's background, I hear Ron Burgundy. I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahog. Yes, I am very important. You're very learned. Very, very learned. I mean, these books are not exactly uh, War and Peace. <laughs> you know, I've got uh, Jeremy Roenick's autobiography. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Bill Simmons, the book of basketball, which I actually do love. Yeah. And I, as, as long as that book is, I've read the whole thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I got some here that you probably like actually. What, what 1972 about the, uh, the Olympics there. All right. Yeah, so it's all pretty much basketball and grim history. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. That's sort of my wheelhouse. And uh, that Andrew was the podcast. Oh man, what a podcast this was. Uh, always love the mailbag pods, even though, I mean, we'll do another one of these, uh, you know, I don't know, a month or so, whenever, but still we always try to get to as much mail as we can during the, the course of normal podcasts. So don't stop at CO soccer pod on Twitter, uh, caught offside pod at gmail.com. The Reddit, I, I've seen that the Reddit pages have been flying lately. I have one issue with the Reddit stuff oh. and it has nothing to do with the people involved in it oh, it has everything to do, to do with me everything to do with you oh that is supposed to be it, it's fine for us to as they say i see them say sometimes that they know andrew and jj are lurking about <laughs> that, it's fine for us to lurk about and just kind of see what's going on and what the comments are and wh what are people liking not liking that's fine but you are now engaging and being that's... combative and mean to people no this is, this is their space where they should just be able to speak freely about the show and now they're fighting with you now, what is that? Can't there, you just let them be? I have got into debates on it. I don't think I've been in a fight yet. A fight? You're you're, you're, you get in there, you're angry. I know your tone. You're angry every, in there. You're just... There's a song by The National called I'm Afraid of Everyone. That's you. You're And you're afraid to engage in any kind of combat of matter. Well, I've gone in there and I've seen when some negative things are written about me and I think, oh, all right, well, this is their space to air their grievances. So let them, let them, if that's how they feel, then so be it. What are you talking about? You literally internalize those things and then they form a massive tumor, <laughs> which is one day going to explode and kill us all. <laughs> Don't you give well, me that. I think I, you got to rethink what you're doing. All right. These are the animals. They're in their own cages. They don't want the zookeeper coming in and, and messing about. Oh, they're not even the zookeeper in the situation. The Lana Del Rey. What's wrong with JJ fighting with the animals? We love it. That's what Twitter's for. All right. These are the real fans. They don't deserve your venom. By the way, I, I so wish that was actually Lana Del Rey. <laughs> It's not the Lana Del Rey. Chris Ramirez. Hey, guys, going into my first big boy job interview Monday. You guys have been part of my life for the last five years. Much appreciated. Chris, you are going to kill it. Brush your teeth. Can't have bad breath in an interview. Make sure that your nice shirt go in fully suited and booted. You'll be great. That's your advice, huh? Brush your teeth as if he's not doing that already. <laughs> I don't know what is oral. What do you think is? of our listeners? I wonder sometimes. Well, we do call them the animals. <laughs> hey, this was this was super fun. I love this. Thank you so much, everybody who got your questions in. Like we said, for those who don't, we apologize. But try again because we're going to do more of these, and we'll we'll get your mail in on the regular pods as well. JJ, I enjoyed this immensely, despite all of your uh, mistakes and errors at the beginning of the show. You you rebounded nicely. You really did. I'm proud of you for all of your effort tonight. And I'm proud of all of you out there for sticking with us and watching the show and submitting your questions as well. JJ, to you, I say. Check you later, fun boy. I'll see you. 
Take care, guys. Take care, everyone. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.